State of Unity podcast, where we talk with people who used to live the ordinary and are now living in the extraordinary. Dustin knew what he wanted to do by the time he was four years old, become a professional clown. No clowning around here, pun totally intended. Learn what it takes to pursue a career more difficult to get into than the NFL and the multiple pivots required as times changed. Dustin shares a true passion for the community and others around him on today's episode. Dustin knew what he wanted to do by the time he was four years old, become a professional clown. No clowning around here, pun totally intended. Learn what it takes to pursue a career more difficult to get into than the NFL and the multiple pivots required as times changed. Dustin shares a true passion for the community and others around him on today's episode. Thank you so much for making time for me, Dustin. I know your schedule is jam-packed, probably way beyond what I can imagine. Um, I have really enjoyed running into you over the past year at different networking events around Tampa Bay. And every time I'm in a circle with you, everybody's laughing, everybody's smiling. You're sharing some crazy story that's like, you know, it's just out of the box from, I think, what anyone would expect to learn about anybody. So... Another thing that really stood out to me that separates you from me is that you knew what you wanted to do when you were four years old. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Well, you're a good listener. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so what was, what was it at four years old that, and how, like what sparked it? I don't remember that part. So I grew up in Kansas city and every year my parents used to take my brother and I to Ringling brother circus. And it was at the age of four that I tugged on my parents' uh, shirt and I said, that's what I want to do. And so uh, my entire formative years, up until I was 18, it was honing in on uh, wanting to be a circus clown, specifically for Ringling Brothers Circus. And at 18, I joined the circus. So wait, can we, I have to pause for a second there. So prior to 18, the preparation, what does that look like? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, four years old, a lot of kids say a lot of things at four years old. You know, I want to be a fire truck. <laughs> you know, I want to be a dinosaur, you know, but, but yes. saying that you wanted to be a circus clowns. I mean, obviously it's very unique, very specific. And, you know, growing up, uh, my parents were 100% supportive of me, very much so. They, my dad would work a couple of extra jobs just to help pay for the clowning stuff. That's clowning, although it is a hobby, it was very expensive. Uh, you know, just a clown nose itself is about 30 bucks. Wow. A wig, a wig could be 150 bucks, and so my dad would work these extra odd jobs to help pay for it. And we didn't grow up rich at all, so we grew up in a mobile home, um, and so. Looking back now, I know that it was very special for my parents to work the extra jobs and work the night shifts to help pay for my stuff. And so, you know, wanting to be a circus clown at that age and then growing up and honing in on your on your craft and 
you know, I wouldn't go and hang out with friends after school. It was home. I may put on some clown makeup, learn how to you know, practice juggling, learn how to fall. So I was doing all the stuff that I knew was going to help me prepare me for whenever I actually joined the show. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't, me, I know I definitely did not realize that that much went into it. Um, a lot. It was yeah. A lot. And then for me personally, um, at the age of 18, 17, 18, um, I had, I was 298 pounds. Wait, what? I gained a lot of weight. I was 298 at my heaviest. And uh, whenever I was 16 years old, I attended a clown camp and I was underage. So my dad had to basically sign a waiver for me to go. And it was up in Minnesota. And I met uh, a famous circus clown for Ringling Brothers. He was there for 27 years. And he, at that moment in time, he was probably in his 70s. So he was far retired. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met him and I said, listen, if I do a really good job, would you write me a letter of recommendation for Ringling? And he said, yes, of course. So after I got back from the camp, I wrote him a letter because at that time you wrote letters. Uh, now you just send a text. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I, I wrote him a letter thanking him and, and, and praising him and this and that. And he responded back, very nice letter, but you know, uh, three sentences in, he said, uh, you need to lose weight. He said, there's a lot of running in the circus and everyone else is in really good shape and you need to get in good shape as well. And he listed some other things, you know, juggling and some, and some physical comedy, but you know, losing the weight. And I knew that I needed to lose the weight. I knew I did. Mm-hmm. And um, my parents had always said, you need to lose the weight. But it wasn't until this specific person, his name was Frosty Little, that was his, that was his name. Um, it wasn't until he told me I needed to lose weight that I needed to lose weight. And so nine months later, after receiving that letter, I dropped 127 pounds in nine months. Jeez. And because that's how dedicated I was to wanting to get onto Ringing Brothers Circus. Yeah. I knew that, 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 that if that was the only thing stopping me, I needed to do something about that. And so there's, there's a book that I read whenever I was growing up. Um, and it was by Randy Posh. He was a, um, a famous um, professor who taught at... Uh, Carnegie Mellon and he got cancer and he wrote a book and I, and um, I forget what the book is called, but in there, he talks about these, these brick walls and these walls are up for a reason. And it's to, it's to basically, it's to keep, it's to keep people out who don't really want it. Hmm. And so people who, who want, who want it will, will bust their butt to get over the wall, to get around the wall, to go under the wall, they will find a way. And so after reading that you know, book, it really motivated me to climb over the wall. And so dropped 127 pounds in nine months, uh, went from a size 44 waist to a size 32, um, a, a, a double X going to a triple X down to a medium. Now I'm a large shirt. I work out seven days a week. Um, yeah, you're in great shape. <laughs> and, you know, constantly working out. Um, I'm working out as we speak. Um, <laughs> Um, but work out seven days a week, always in the gym before I go into the office. Uh, it helps keep my mind fresh, um, mm-hmm. maybe creative ideas. So, you know, getting up at, you know, three 30 in the morning to work out before I go into work, that's just a good thing for me to kind of keep motivated and to kind of keep fresh and to have a different perspective and to look at things a little bit differently. If you're up so early, um, a lot of CEOs and a lot of business leaders get up super early and they'll do a 30 minute workout. Um, you know, mine's about an hour, hour and 15. 
Um, and it's good for me. Mm-hmm. I would do the same thing. And I tell you, when I miss that, the whole day, you just feel it, right? Your brain is oh, yes. not with it. So yes, I am. 100% agree. You just don't seem as on. Yeah. You know, if you if you haven't had that, you know, um, you know, workout. I used to work out prior to getting with Casper. I used to work out at night, and then now for three and a half years, you know, it's been a it's been a tradition now to to get up at the ungodly hours and, and work out <laughs> before everybody else. Yeah, I can relate to that. When I was in college, I was working full time and doing school full time. And so the only time I could squeeze in a workout was to get up at 4 a.m. and go to the university gym and work out before class. And I did it because, like you said, there's that wall there. And when you know also the difference in how you feel in the day, like it was non-negotiable for me. Sure. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. So Okay. So you're 18. You've graduated high school. Yes. Dropped well, 130 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's my entire life right there, right? Uh, <laughs> well, it seems like. So um, I actually graduated um, high school about six months early. I had enough enough, uh, enough uh, credits. Okay. And um, I got a job working at Six Flags up in New York, um, up in Queensbury, New York. I was, I was a clown in their circus show. I think it was called Circus Mania. And I was, at that time, I was, I was 18. Um, 17, sorry. And so was up there and um, already lost the weight and up there about five months, checked my email one day in my, in the entire five months and the day prior, I think it was, it was a Tuesday on Monday, received an email from the vice president of talent and production for Feld Entertainment, who owns Monster Jam, Disney on Ice, Ringling Brothers Circus, well, used to own them, they've obviously closed. Um, and, and the, and the subject line was opportunity. And he said, please give me a call at your earliest convenience. And so I called and they offered me a contract, never auditioned for ringing brother circus. Wow. Never auditioned. Um, I was actually in contact with this, with this individual since I was 13. So each, each month I would email him and persistence pays off. Oh my gosh. Every month. For oh, every month, every month, five years, um, he got yep. an email from you yep. every single month. And so supposedly he came up there and saw me perform. I never saw him. Oh, that's wow. what I heard. I don't know if that, if that's true or not. So I can't mm-hmm. validate that. Uh, he has since passed away, but he gave me the opportunity to be a circus clown with the greatest show on earth. And it was a unbelievable job. Um, seven years. I toured with them 3,500 shows. I couldn't even tell you how many PRs, uh, 400, three, 400 PRs from television, newspaper, radio, parades, hospital visits. I mean, you name it. We were doing it weekly. Weekly, we were in front of the cameras. Um, and uh, it was an incredible lifestyle. Absolutely loved it. Uh, you know, you you have your moments where you absolutely hate what, what you do. And I shouldn't <laughs> have those on like circus. Um, but you know, but all of the good outweighed the negativity, um, lived on a mile and a half long circus train, got to, uh, work with 17 countries, Brazil, Mexico, Russia, the Ukraine, France, Italy, Spain, Mexico, Canada. I mean, Iran, Iraq, 
Zimbabwe. I mean, you name it. I mean, we were, you know, we were with, I mean, it was definitely a UN, a traveling UN. Hmm. And you had to put away your you know, differences, you know, whether it's political or social or economical, put those differences away. And your job is to focus on the 20,000 people watching tonight's performance. Hmm. And you had to come together and do your part. Uh, and it was something magical. So the people that you were traveling with then, were they mostly from the United States or were they from all over the world? And you had a bunch of different languages to work with? All over the world. The, typically, the English-speaking performers on the circus were the clowns. Hmm. Now, we had clowns who were from you know, South America, but usually 99% of the time, the clowns were the English-speaking performers. That's why we were the ones who were doing all the publicity. The television, the radio, the newspaper. Oh, okay. So we were the ambassadors of the circus. So whenever we would pull into a town, we would, you know, say we were playing Madison Square Gardens up in New York City. So we would go to the, you know, we would do an interview for the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times, or we would be on uh, Good Day New York. And we were, you know, out there speaking, you know, come out and see the brand new show. And we would get talking points of, you know, uh, you know, you know, talk about this act, this act, this act. Um, and then we would do uh, yearly, we would have um, media, media training. So whenever a reporter would ask you a specific question, you would then run with it. And they called driving the bus. So for you, you would say, so Dustin, tell me a little bit you know, uh, you know, about yourself. And I you know, ticket sales dropped. So you could tell where the money, you know, people want to go to see the elephants mm-hmm. and bring brothers folded because of that, but loved it. It was a fantasy job. Got to tour, got to visit, you know, parts of the country that I never would have if I uh, had a normal nine to five job. So really glad I, I didn't procrastinate. You know, Rumi's been been gone, for, I think, for four years now. So really glad that I didn't procrastinate and say, oh, I'll do it, you know, you know, later on in life. Yeah. Years old, did it, left whenever I was 26. Yeah, yeah. So did you have like a signature trick or performance that you did with that? You know, I I loved character work. I loved you know, you could juggle and you could do prat balls and, you know, you could, you know, do other, other things, stilt walking, but I loved character. I loved being a character. So whenever I would have those interactions and it wasn't anything different from, from, from myself. So it was kind of an extension of your own character. You're, so you're not like saying, oh, I'm going to be Miley Cyrus. So I'm going to be exactly like her. No, you create your own persona, your own makeup. Um, and so that's, that's what I thrived on. I loved doing and being a character, so whenever people met me, it was I, there was a lasting impression. Cool. So, and did that transition into what you're doing now? So now you're with Caspers. Okay. Yes. So maybe we should, I guess, background and talk about how you ended up where you are now from sure. Ringling Brothers. So left Ringling when I was 26, moved out to Los Angeles for nine, 10 months, and wanted to break into the entertainment industry out there. It's very cutthroat, very, very hard. And, and kind of going backtrack a little bit, they said it was, it, was, it was harder to get on Ringling Brothers as a clown than it was in the NFL. No way. Now, Ringling Brothers clowns is only 12. NFL, I mean, how many players mm-hmm. are there? So it's very difficult to get in. Wow. And so the same thing going into you know, Los Angeles, it was very difficult to, you know, having auditions and then getting callbacks, it was, it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, my, my heart really wasn't in it. It isn't something that I really wanted to do. So 
I don't think I thrived at it because I, my heart really wasn't in it. So I left, moved to Tampa Bay. Uh, I did a, I, I had a 10 week contract at Bush Girls, moved here, <laughs> week contract. I'm, I'm currently here, so there's no need to fly me. The audition was one week later from that phone call and uh, I got the job. There was, there was eight um, guys over at um, a, uh, um, a Tampa school. I think it was called St. Peter Claver Elementary School. So there was eight of us auditioning for Helen McDonald. And I was the only one who showed up in full clown makeup. For some reason, whenever I moved down here, I brought a, a, a blue suitcase with all my clown stuff for whatever reason. And that's probably the reason why is because I, somehow the universe knew that I was going to be auditioning for, for Ronald McDonald. So uh, there, was, there was eight guys in the principal's office waiting for our eight minutes. We only had eight minutes to impress owner operators and other corporate people that were, that were judging us. And eight minutes, if you're, if you're really good, eight minutes goes by just like that. If you're horrible, eight minutes is the longest, like three days. Infinity, I'm sure. <laughs> so eight minutes for me and my, and my background is nothing. So we're all waiting back, back in the, in the, in the principal's office. And there's just one guy and he's pacing back and forth and he keeps on saying to himself and he, or yelling it. I effing suck. I effing suck. I effing suck. Oh my gosh. And he was, he was already out of the job before he even got the job. Right. Yeah. I'm a firm believer of the law of attraction. Whatever you spout out, whether it's negative or positive is going to have massive implications. And this guy was saying, I'm horrible. I'm, I'm horrible. And he kept on saying, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? What am I doing here? Hmm. Finally, I said, excuse me, would you just please shut up and sit down? Because now you're making all of us second guess ourselves. Yeah. So he sat down. We all auditioned. The next day, I got a phone call saying, we're going to uh, give you the Ronald contract. Um, so I did it uh, three and a half years. Uh, I did about 250 events in Tampa Bay, um, the Macy's Parade, um, bigger McDonald's um, events as well, national stuff. It was an awesome job. Loved it. Um, again, a whole performing world. And um, it was awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then one day I got a phone call in 2017 saying the program has been cut. Corporate doesn't find it uh, necessary to have a local Ronald program. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and that, that's how I'm here with um, Casper's company. Um, I got that phone call the day after my birthday in, in 2017. And I called um, a gentleman here at Casper's who I had a pretty good relationship with. And I said, Bob, this is what's going on. And he said, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, things are going to happen. So then about a couple of weeks later, I got a phone call saying, hey, come down to the Casper's office. We want to talk to you. And my first thought was, oh, I'm going to get a severance. I'm going to get a severance because I still had three years on my contract left. Oh, okay. And uh, they offered me a job. They created a position for me at Casper's. Um, to eventually step into um, the VP role of community relations hmm. for Casper's company. And so um, I've been here now three and a half years and um, I absolutely love what I do. Uh, still able to make people laugh. Um, and I'm still, you know, I still wear costumes. This is a costume. Uh, whenever I'm out and about, you know, seeing you at these different events and I'm wearing a suit, that's my costume. Mm -hmm. So there's no difference between performing world and business world. 
Um, it's just, I'm wearing a different costume. My audience size has gone from 20,000 to now an audience of one, which would be you today. Um, and your audience is out there watching you. Um, so my, my, my stage has you know, changed. Um, I don't wear makeup anymore. Uh, well, Saturday night, a whole different story. So, we won't even go um, so you know, for my, for my costume, my audience size has now changed. It's a little bit different, but still able to make people laugh to have a you know, positive, I call it having a positive maximum impact. And whatever we do out there in the community, we love to have that positive maximum impact. I love it. Yeah, you have a really cool perspective as to why people should always be at their best in the workplace and the mindset that we should be operating in, that we're not just there to get a paycheck or to get through our day. You're there to to step into this role and just bring life to the people around you and really give everyone this great experience. And I think, you know, if more people went into the day with that mindset, it could be a lot more enjoyable experience. Oh, 100% agree with you. You know, I always tell people, you know, if you hate your job, do something different. You don't have a contract. Life is too short. Money, you know, <laughs> and you have one go around on this earth. That's it you have to lead with your heart. And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't do this stuff hoping that, you know, it makes Dustin Portillo look good. I do it to make our company look good, to make people realize that Casper's is more than just burgers, fries, milkshakes, and apple pies, that we care about our community, um, that we give back largely. And it's our corporate social responsibility. That's, that's three big words nowadays that I think Every leader with an into the Ronald McDonald House. So I visited him at, at his school, gave him a happy meal for a year card. Um, and we and we had media show up. Uh, and it was awesome, but it wasn't it wasn't about me. It was it was it was recognizing talent, recognizing a fourth grader who already knows how to significantly impact someone's life. For me, is being ordinary. Hmm. Just you know, doing what is the right thing to do. And for me, you know, I, I would like to think I'm an ordinary person. Um, um, I appreciate your time. Like I had said, I just love supporting you guys. I love seeing what you're doing out in the community. It's, it always brings a smile to me. I feel like you just, you can see your energy. You can see your sense of humor um, and just like you really truly live every day to the fullest. And I think that's something Unfortunately, a lot of people probably don't do, but hopefully we'll, we'll learn to do. Um, also, you know, you have listeners out there who are business leaders or whatever they are, and they, have, uh, and they have social media. What I have found for our social media at Casper's company, we don't post about food at all. You're not yeah. going to see one, you know, new, um, uh, pride myself in my improv skills. So no, it makes sense that you would be, yeah, good point. You've had some practice at that. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Just a few years. <laughs> yeah, but. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed and thought of one or two people that would enjoy listening as well. Be sure to share and follow so you don't miss out.
Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed and thought of one or two people that would enjoy listening as well. Be sure to share and follow so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes.